You are listening to You Heard It Here Second, episode 21. The podcast is produced every Monday night and airs every Tuesday morning. More information can be found on our website, derekandsteve.com. Things are going good. Um, right. Actually going well. Things are going well. 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 Nothing really well. goes good. Nothing yeah. goes good. Derek and Steve present... Of course, the Celtics are the best team in the NBA. Because um, no, they beat the best team in the NBA. They did, and so the transit property works there, and they're the best team in the league, and they're better than the 95-96 Bulls. I could see the Rays losing all 160-something games um, by five, a score of 5-3. to three. <laughs> <laughs> Every single game, they don't win a game. Um, they win one game probably 3-5, to five, and or 3 to 4. And it'll be the day after you go to 1 at Fenway. They'll, exactly. They'll win the next day. You heard it here second. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode number 21 of You Heard It Here Second. I'm Derek, alongside Steve. Steve, what's happening? What's happening? 21 episodes is what's happening, Derek. Blackjack. It's a lot. Blackjack. Yeah. Blackjack. That's a good name for the episode title. That is a great name for the episode title. You're welcome. Usually usually we got to see how the episode goes and like kind of figure out what the name is, and it's it's something you make up after you've heard all the topics and everything like that. Too easy. First 10 seconds of the show, we get the name. Perfect. Um, so episode 21, Blackjack. Uh, Blackjack. so we got plenty of stuff planned for you today. Um, kind of similar to last week's episode in style, uh, actually identical in style with the segments that we have. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, so first quarter we have Game of Thrones, uh, as we do every week now with, uh, Game of Thrones season back in action. So we'll have that in the first quarter. Second quarter, we'll go through sports, which is much of the same topics with NBA and NHL playoffs, uh, baseball underway, as well as a few other things. Uh, third quarter, we'll have your trivia for you. And fourth quarter, we have a couple of different topics. We have our Snapchat section, which has a breaking development this week uh, for the worse. We have um, the Taco Bell news, <laughs> Taco which, Bell which news. Keep, continues to Da-na-na. stay at the top of the headlines. Um, also, I want to make a request every time we say Taco Bell news that the Taco Bell dong goes We can dong. We can do that. Okay. We can do that, I think. As long hard. as we don't say it too many times. Taco Bell news, Taco Bell news. <laughs> We'll, we'll try to limit it a little bit, but that I think we can do it. So, uh, and then in uh, we'll talk a little bit about some some stuff that we have coming up in future episodes to get you guys a little bit excited and give you a little bit of a tease on that. Um, so, and then we'll have our final drive. So that that's pretty much the episode twenty one. So let's get it started here. Let's get uh, it going with Game of Thrones in the first quarter. So we talked a little bit just before starting to record. And Game of Thrones, by the way, spoiler alert, uh, if you haven't watched episode three, uh, or for that matter, episodes one and two of the season, uh, you may want to skip ahead and not listen to this segment. So Game of Thrones, we are on to you a little bit, Game of Thrones, so far. So this is going to be a hot take episode for Game of Thrones, I feel. We both are, we really, really, really don't want to dislike Game of Thrones, but this season is definitely off to a slow start now yeah now i feel a little less strongly than steve does but uh particularly with episode three i do i completely agree so i feel less strongly than derek thinks i feel strongly um because i don't feel that strongly right right, it's just i've been we've come to expect greatness with game of thrones and these first three episodes have been predictable they've been slow and i mean not much has happened i know you can't really do everything all the time but i can't think of one storyline the last episode that either moved forward or was entertaining except uh, except for maybe the winterfell storyline right I, I i agree i think episode three was particularly slow uh storyline wise i mean obviously it starts with a much anticipated scene of what's going to happen when john snow comes back to life i mean he came back to life at the end of the previous episode and he had some pretty big expectations but the only thing that really advances in that storyline is that he goes out and he he follows through my watch has ended he he follows through on uh killing the people that that stabbed him or at least least four of them but i think more more people stabbed him. not even saying a word yeah nothing no no words from ollie and uh And, and and so you know there was obviously that moment where so this was one of the moments that wasn't maybe as predictable where for a moment it looked like John might let them live because uh, you kind of had that hesitation yep. there before he was going to cut the rope but uh, he doesn't he maybe in a symbol of him you know starting to lose some of that soft side he he, he cuts the rope and and kills the four people um, but then he walks off and says my watch has ended so so we don't get any more on that storyline in this episode to to take a step back and look at this season so far on the whole it's 
it's definitely a bit different in how it's shot and how the conversations go because, mm-hmm. like, never have there been. I mean, it's funny they made like jokes. They're when, making jokes. They're yesterday. making jokes. Um, like t- the whole scene when Tyrion's trying to talk to those two, um, Missande and Grey Worm, and it's just awkward and dumb and boring. And you're like, this is. There's no point yeah. in this. Um, and then when Davos is telling Jon Snow like, now go fail again or whatever, you're like. Okay, you're not yeah. his dad. Like this is not how Game of Thrones works. Like it's not, right. it's not conversation driven. It's action driven, and it's I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem the same. Yeah, well, it's definitely not the same. Um, I think that a couple in the beginning of the episode, I did like some of the humor. I thought that the I thought the humor when John came back out uh, and kind of greeted everyone um, after obviously he had already seen Davos, but he comes back out and he. He sees the other few guys. One of the guys who's like now a main character randomly, uh, yeah. who, who like is John's like right hand man out of nowhere. Um, so like he sees all those guys, and I did like some of that humor. It seemed appropriate because it's like how else do you respond, uh, react to somebody who just came back from the dead? It's like yeah. I guess you just make these like kind of cheesy jokes. Yeah. Um, so I I was okay with it there, but you're right. They kind of continued it. The, Tyr- the whole Tyrion scene was like very forced humor. Yeah. Um, even though that's. It's not forced from what Tyrion's character is, but just like the scene itself was kind of forced. Like I know Tyrion's always like that, but it's it dragged on for a while. So I think there there is a noticeable difference. And I don't know if I don't know what the reason is for that. It might be because you know you know maybe they feel like they need to do more setup for what's coming this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a little disappointing that a lot of these storylines just haven't moved. I, I mean, there's I mean, Daenerys has really moved nowhere this entire so, season. The thing is, there's so many storylines. There's so many yeah. that. You can move one pretty far forward, and still every episode, and, and still be pretty pretty far behind. Yeah, and and so this goes back to the first episode of the season, which I remember we had discussed, and what I thought my opinion on it was, and I think you agreed. We had Murph on as well; he agreed too. They they really spread everything very thin in the first episode, which was okay with me for the first episode because maybe you have to retouch on everything, make sure that nobody's forgetting about a major storyline yeah. in the first episode of the season. That's fine, but. It feels like they've continued to do that and kept and keep everything very spread out. I mean, jo- like we said, Jon Snow was the biggest storyline by far that you were looking for in this in this episode, and they really didn't progress it at all. You know, Daenerys is the next biggest storyline that everyone's probably concerned about. That's not progressing at all either, really. Yeah. Um, Arya's storyline is progressing a little bit, progressing, but uh, but not really. Kind of weird, like a just montage, pro- it's, it's which progress- was weird. Yeah. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a Game of Thrones montage. Yeah, and that was weird. And, and it's progress, and that storyline's progressing kind of internally within itself. It's not having an impact on anything else yeah. yet. Anyway, she's got her eyes back though. <laughs> Let's go. Her eyes are trending up, but her eyes are trending. Um, so, so you know that's all good, and, and at least something is moving. But I, I do agree. I think we're obviously not going to be. You know, you're not jumping ship on anything. You're not going to overreact too strongly to three episodes. You know, Game of Thrones has shown before that it can go through lulls and come back very, very strong. I'm obviously. doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping. I'm not jumping ship, <laughs> but I'm, I'm making grand Putting calls. It on alert. Yeah, um, it's on the hot seat. Yeah, Game of Thrones, not for watching. <laughs> I'll always watch it, yeah. but for, for satisfaction, satisfaction, talking about it, enjoying it. It's on the hot seat. You know, it's pro- honestly, it's probably not even on the hot seat for talking about it yet. I don't, I don't think that's going to get axed. I think we're going to be talking about it. I just want to have a strong opinion, Derek. Just let me have a strong opinion. It's okay. You can have you can have that. Okay. I, I, and I, yeah, I agree. I think that the um you know, episode 3 the worst I thought out of the 3. Um yes. You know, I, I think it resembled episode 1 in, in in those ways, but I think episode 1 it was okay to do that. Episode 3, you're expecting more once you get to episode 3. So So what give me your top 2 storylines that you're excited for this season based on the three episodes because I, I i'm kind of at a loss i know one of them but other yeah than that. well um i mean to me it's still the two that i said not based on this season though um you know john snow's storyline and and daenerys's storyline are the two that i'm that i'm very intrigued about the, the third thing i guess i'll throw in that i'm very intrigued about is the is this whole new thing with bran and the old guy in the tree Ugh, um seeing so the flashbacks dumb, so, so the, the tower though is what yeah, I'm, that, I'm very uh, intrigued you, to see what's it, happening there that's where um, we're going to learn who Jon Snow Presumably, is. Presumably, yeah, yeah. We, we should. And so um, I think that that is still just a theory, I think. But it's probably, I mean, the fact that they're spreading a flashback out and they left that cliffhanger of in a flashback yeah. leads you to believe they're definitely going back to that. And it's somewhere where, you know, Ned is running up. And it's it also shows from what Bran has said is that the story that he's been told about Ned's battle was also incorrect. So, so you know, there, there's things that were not told correctly yeah. to him 
and that makes it even more intriguing for why he wants to find out what happens inside the tower. Um, and presumably, the the theory is for those of you who haven't uh, fully tied the loop on that is that we might find out who uh, Jon Snow's biological mother is in that uh, scene. So uh, that's obviously a huge reveal. I'm interested in that. But you know, I, you know, from the bigger picture, it's the Jon Snow storyline and the Daenerys storyline that I'm most intrigued by, and that's why I'm a little disappointed they're not moving along very far. I'm leaning towards the um, Arya storyline just mm-hmm. because she's going to actually do badass things pretty you soon. You mentioned that, yeah. Um, I mean, not that I know from the books, but of all the people left, like Jon Snow, I'm kind of over him. Like, and I love Jon mm-hmm. I like, love his storyline, but you know what he's going to do. He's the righteous guy. He's whatever. Right. Like, Arya's still kind of the wild card with what she's going to do, and you know it's going to be big and important. Um, and then the second one, honestly, I can't really think of one. Maybe the Winterfell story. I mean, I don't even like, um, what's his guts at Ram- Winterfell? Ramsey. Ramsey. Yeah. I mean, I think he's a terrible he's a, character yeah. and, but like, <laughs> I don't know. He's, yeah. what's his next move? Who really cares? I, it, things got to start coming together or I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. It, it's, and that, that's the frustrating part about it is that is how there are so many moving parts still floating not seemingly closer to each other yes. <laughs> and, and they need to do that very soon um again i think overall my problems are not in that my problems with the way it's gone so far aren't in that that problem exists it's just that that problem has lingered i think it, like like i mentioned several times it was okay with me to have that approach and that style to open the season but i think three episodes in you're hoping for more and so hopefully in episode four we start to get more um but you know as of right now, I think that we're putting it on alert a little bit. It's, it's on alert. It's You're got a alert. warning. It's got a warning from us. Yeah. So Game of Thrones has not been lit. <laughs> it's I'll not been that. lit. Um, so any any other thoughts on Game of Thrones? Um, that might be it. I mean, we're going to talk a lot about Game of Thrones mm-hmm. for, for the next however many. I think there's 10 episodes, yeah. maybe 12, um, yeah. for the next few weeks. So we don't need to uh, go too in, in depth yeah. with these um, we can, uh, analyses, but... We can touch on a couple other uh, HBO things. First of all, there's a couple of shows sure. coming up. Yeah, um, there's a weird one, the night, the, the, the night of. I the think night it's called. Of. And they're they're they've got these weird commercials, but it looks like that's the drama that is going to come on after Game of Thrones. At, at least it appears that way from the commercials that that will be the nine o'clock Sunday drama. Uh, also hinting that maybe True Detective has run its I'm, course. I'm bummed about that because like True Detective, the first season was so good and the second season was so bad but the first season still gave me enough hope to give it another shot yeah like i don't want it to be over and and the production value of true detective has always been extremely high yeah the the second season the plot line was very very just bad and not not cohesive to a lot of people yeah but but (laughs) i mean but it wasn't the production value that was lacking it wasn't even the acting that was lacking like i think we we talked about this before and probably not on the podcast because it was a while ago but like Vince Vaughn, Rachel McAdams, uh, Taylor Kitsch, like I think those were good actors, and and the yeah. acting was fine. I think they were cast the wrong way. I think Vince Vaughn should never have been cast in that role. Yeah. I mean, he, he's I don't want to say he's typecast, but in the mind of audience members, you kind of are expecting a certain thing with Vince Vaughn, and it wasn't that character. Yeah, um, it was no character. I mean, I don't, I think Vince Vaughn did exactly what he was told to do. Yeah, but like I, there was yeah. really no emotion i mean the emotion from each character was so it weird was, i mean yeah. we're, let's not talk about true detective yeah. but but the point is that it had potential and that you know season three could have still been something i would have watched yeah. um now again i haven't heard for sure the true detective has been axed but it looks like i don't this, think it has. this show the night of is at least going to take the place that true detective previously had which is right after game of thrones sunday nights now maybe true detective will come back later yeah. after the night of are we going to watch the night of i'm i will uh give it a trial subscription I'll take a peek at the first episode. I mean, you you have to fill the void of Game of Thrones that first Sunday yeah. after Game of Thrones, you know. And then the next show coming up is Vice Principals. I will um, watch this. I will watch it just purely because Danny McBride yeah. can be he can save a show he no can. matter what it is. He can. Um the commercials make it look pretty bad and yeah, juvenile, yeah. which is kind of what Danny McBride's the best I at. I mean, it kind of looked like he's bounded down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, very much. So, um, if it it looks like weird, cheesy, almost unscripted type yeah. comedy. Which could get old very quickly. Yeah. But um, again, because of Danny McBride, I think we do give it a shot. Um, the other thing is Danny McBride on HBO is a lot. Yeah. It, I don't think they can. Affords him a lot of freedom. I don't think the commercials do that 
show with Danny McBride any favors because his key yeah. is like to be raunchy and to right. be loud and obnoxious, and all they can really do is show like little teasers here and right. there. Like right. his money maker is really just like very yeah his Kenny Powers character <laughs> yeah his exactly. Um, so yeah, so I I think that'll be worth a shot. Um, and then. Last last one, real quick. I'm curious on your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, has your opinion at all changed on Silicon Valley after last night? That was a bad episode. <laughs> I did not enjoy that episode. Um, I and I know I'm kind of in the minority. Every like you get told to watch Silicon Valley by yeah. a lot of people. Um, Somewhat. I don't like it. I I don't like. I just can't get into it. I, yeah. I used to say like, oh, it's well written. It's like there's some there are funny parts, but I just can't watch it. Yeah, there's it's, too many. I'm not a. Everything's too awkward. Everything's too awkward. Everything's extremely awkward, and everything goes wrong. And that's one of the things. It reminds me a little bit of The Last Man on Earth, which we liked. Yeah. Um, Everything goes wrong. I mean, to the point where it's a little bit over the top uh, scripted. Yeah. Um, So I think. I I don't know if it's. I mean, I don't know. I'd like to know, actually. I don't know if everyone loves Silicon Valley or not. I know a lot of people like it, but. I have a feeling a lot of people probably feel like, the listen, way that you do as think well. Think about this. If that Ehrlich character didn't exist, which character out of any of them would you even remotely like? Yeah. Maybe the Indian guy is kind of funny. Yeah, and uh I don't I don't know all their names, but the the the, the kind of nerdy guy who's like their administrative yeah. guy. He he yeah, has he has they, some parts. They they have like their parts it's just like Th- that's the thing about the show is that they all have their parts and so and honestly, I think every episode of Silicon Valley I probably laughed out loud at some point in the episode. Yeah. But uh, there's also way too many parts that you sit there silently when you should be laughing. Yeah. And you're not. Um so I think that's kind of I guess that's my takeaway on it. I, I give I'm very very down the middle on that show. What'd I, I you think g- it's What do you give the show so far? Derek to, Dragon uh, Fruits. Dragon Fruits? Yeah. From again, uh, this is uh, in full disclosure. I've only watched a few episodes of it. I haven't followed the whole storyline. It might help if yeah. I knew the entire storyline because without context of what was going on in the story, last night's episode was even worse. I think you you might appreciate it more if you knew what was going on. Yeah. Um. Without that context, I would give it a a sixty. Wow, it's still pretty high. Um, I'm coming from the same um perspective. Never, I've only seen probably four or five episodes. Um, but given that I I just can't get in with any of the characters i I can't like root for any of them really i i'm gonna have to give it like a 45 45 but that's it probably would have been higher at before last night's episode true true um so i'm gonna say 45 not certified guac brown guac certified rotten no brown guac brown guac yeah that's what happens to guacamole when you leave it out it gets brown cool cool so that's our tv section in the first quarter all done all Um, done and now we move to the second quarter with something else that's also on TV, but it's real. It's sports. Sports are real. Um, so let's let's get right into sports. We'll start with the NBA, which is on our TV in front of us here. Uh, Eastern Conference game going on that we won't have the result uh, while recording because we're obviously watching it uh, as it's happening, but that's Miami and Toronto. Uh, otherwise, in the NBA playoffs, the uh, in the East, we'll start there. The Cavaliers finish off the sweep of the Hawks with a close game four, but ultimately the Cavs win. Yeah, and the Cavs' back, big three. That's yep. back-to-back sweep back of to the back, Hawks. Back-to-back, yes, back-to-back sweeps of the Hawks and back-to-back sweeps this season yeah. in the playoffs. The Cavs' big three of LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Love have not lost a playoff game when they have all been healthy and together in the game. That's pretty good. Um, I mean, they're playing trash teams. They are. They're not um, playing. They're also shooting the lights out. They're, yes. they're, they're shooting at a, a, a higher-than-Warriors clip right now from downtown. Um, which you have to wonder if that's sustainable against the better teams, particularly the teams out West. Um, I will say, and this is something that people know, people have known this about the Eastern Conference, it looks more and more as these series go on that nobody can stand up to the Cavs in the East. I mean, the Hawks are a pretty are a decent team, and they didn't even they didn't put up a fight against yeah, them. Now, I, I know they don't dent, match yeah. up well, but... I don't know if you can really say that the that the Heat or the Raptors match up that much better. So are you happy? I mean, obviously you're not happy the Celtics lost, but it, oh, uh, yeah. it, if the Celtics, Celtics, gotten crushed if the Celtics the get blown out in four games, like it's probably better to put up a good fight against the Hawks and then watch the Hawks burn out. Yeah, you know, I mean, I would obviously never say I'm, I'm glad they lost, um, but it, it's the silver lining, certainly. Yeah. Um, now, now, where I am disappointed is that the Celtics... 
the Celtics at the end of the regular season blew their chance to get the three seed. I, mm-hmm. I mean, you're watching the way this other side of the bracket is working in the East, and it's what a lot of people believe the Celtics should have got to was easily get to the conference finals. Yeah. And I don't want to say easily, but very manageably get there by beating these teams that are just they shoot themselves in the foot every time we watch these teams play. I yeah. mean, they're Toronto, not good. They're not really good. Basketball they're not very teams. good. And, and I think out of these two teams, Miami might have a chance to take a game from Cleveland. I, I don't see more than that. It's just particularly with the way they're playing now, if Cleveland stays healthy, I don't think that any any of these teams in the East have a chance against them. And and I hate to say that because I don't want the Cavs to win, but yeah. it, it's the way it is. They're, they're too dominant right now, and they're all playing. They're playing to each other's strengths. I, I mean, LeBron is not even playing that well in Le- the series. LeBron is coach. He's on the court coaching these players, yeah, like moving players around. It's it's kind of embarrassing for Tyron Lue. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, because it it's just LeBron. He's it a is. player. Le- I mean, he always player coach. He, he always has been, but. Tyron Lue just doesn't. He doesn't say anything. Yeah, he just and, sits. Like, he doesn't make any plays. He just sits there and lets the team do it. Yeah. At least, um, Blatt was it Blatt? Blatt, yeah, David was, Blatt was vocal and active and like yeah. writing plays and on the court yelling. Like, right. Lue just kind of sits back and watches LeBron do his thing. Which yeah, it, it works to, now. It, it works. works now. Yeah, which it works because LeBron's yeah, and, unbelievable. And, so, and we'll see what happens. I, I mean. Obviously, even you know, even removed from obviously, everyone knows that I don't like LeBron James. I'm biased against that, but yes, everyone re- knows. Even Derek. removing that bias, I I I don't think that player coaches are are the best. I think that a, a well coached team is better than a player coached team. Oh well, yeah, and, and and I and and we'll see how that works when the Cavs get to the finals, presumably if they get there, because that against Golden State or San Antonio or even I'll say Oklahoma City, any of those three teams if they make it there, that's a very very great test of that clashing style of whether LeBron can run the show granted with these with Kyrie and Love both playing phenomenally yeah um but whether ultimately LeBron's the one running the show there whether the player can run the show against a team like the Spurs with Popovich running the show or Golden State who I won't say their coach impact is as high as San Antonio but they're still well coached I mean they they run a system it's not Steph out there like calling the plays and like putting everyone in their place the way yeah. LeBron does. It's just stiff out there, closing his eyes so, and throwing up yeah. half-court threes. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Which, He's just not telling which, other people what to do. We'll get to the Warriors in a moment. But I think the Cavs, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I think for all the, you know, for as much as I dislike LeBron and the Cavs, I, I think that they're going to be very fun to watch going forward in the playoffs and particularly in the finals. I think it'll be another great final series, yeah. which, whichever Western Conference team they play. Yeah. Um, um, so moving on, um, Steph Curry remains out. Yep. Um, the Trailblazers tie up the series. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, they uh, don't? Uh, the no, no, no. The series is two to one, uh, Golden State. But but tonight they play uh, Game Four. So, and Steph's so still out. Steph, and it, as of presume- before we started the podcast, Steph was questionable. So this will all be finalized when, when the podcast airs because they're gotcha. playing late tonight. I, well, I'm making my call. They tie up the series tonight. I, I agree with you, yeah. and uh, it, particularly if Steph doesn't play, I think they tie it up. Even if he does play. I think that if he plays tonight, he's rushing back a little bit. Now, I, I know I don't know anything about it. I'm not him. I don't yeah. know how his knee feels. But an MCL sprain, to just sit out a week with that, or, or a week and a half, however long it's been, maybe it's even been two weeks. I don't know exactly how long. But yeah. it's it's an injury that he'd be kind of rushing back from if he was to play already. Yeah. Um, I, I still think Golden State wins I, the series. I do too. Even if Steph doesn't play, but I think that obviously without your best player, it's yeah, oh, a much right, tighter right. race. But I think Golden State still has probably two of the not including Steph two of the top 10 players left in the playoffs yeah like and they, they have and they have the Thompson. two best players in the series um Portland has the next two best players in the series but that might not be enough obviously yeah. I think I think Golden State actually you know actually yeah Golden, Golden State does have the two best players in the series I, I would say that Lillard can be held up to Thompson yep. but but it, within their systems I think Clay is is just as dominant as Lillard is. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think that uh, Portland evens up the series tonight. Uh, I, I'm going to say particularly if Steph doesn't play. I, I'm not as confident in that if he does play. But uh, either way, I think Portland, you know, I, it's it's as much as you can maybe ask for out of a five seed to put up a fight against Golden State. And they're doing that, certainly. I think they there's even a chance they take this to seven games, I think, even yeah. even with Steph's status. I mean, Golden State's a good team that particularly matches up well with a really good backcourt against Golden State. They can play small ball, uh, and, and their backcourt is really their entire team. I mean, I mean, McCollum and Lillard need to play off the charts to win, yeah. and they have been. So I think they have that formula. They just got to execute to perfection, basically, against this team uh, to be able to do it. But so if we'll Steph doesn't come back... I have them still winning, probably in, in six or seven, yeah. but 
what do you have? Steph doesn't come back. If Steph doesn't, I mean, come I think back he will. Series, he, he will. Yeah, at some point. But so just just to for sus- argument's sake. suspend disbelief for argument's sake. I I would probably take Golden State in seven. Um, I don't I don't take them in in any less than seven though. Without with Steph not coming back, if Steph at, wasn't at there, home, yeah, they can't I, they can't I, lose a game I don't, seven at home. No, I agree. I agree. But I also don't see Portland losing a game six at home if Steph was still out. Um, again, I don't think Steph will be out for that long. I think if he doesn't come back today, he's back in Game Five. But for argument's sake, if Steph didn't come back, I would say Golden State in seven. I, I think Portland pushed that seven seven games. Um, but so we'll see what happens there. Um, so that one obviously will progress in the meantime before the podcast airs. But one series that won't do that is the Thunder and the Spurs. The Thunder last night or or two nights ago for the podcast airing. Uh, Tie up the series with the Spurs two to two on the on the back of a massive Kevin Durant game yep. as well as a I would say not a massive but a perfect perfectly appropriate Russell Westbrook yeah, game which is not usually which is his what game what they need to do exactly yeah. so so Westbrook goes for just fourteen points but fifteen assists and seven rebounds I think they are unfortunately they're cursed with two unbelievable offensive weapons so when one performs the other typically doesn't mm-hmm. so if Westbrook can kind of take a quote-unquote back seat and actually play a point guard role mm-hmm. they are unbelievable and I think yeah. they're one of the best team I mean, they obviously so, are one of those well, teams but probably can take any team out there they, if Westbrook plays like he like he's supposed to play as a point guard more assists more rebounds more steals yeah. like a faster game yeah rather than just chucking up threes and I, Kevin Durant can obviously I, Durant carry any team. Durant. So I, I was joking with uh, with one of my friends who's a Celtics fan about this game and and saying that Game Four might have been the single biggest threat to KD's free agency campaign for every team that wants him because I think if the Thunder can corral what they just did in Game Four, like you said, it, it's it's Westbrook taking a quote unquote backseat. It's just a backseat offensively. That's all it is. It's a backseat shooting the ball. That that's the only backseat he's taking. Yeah. Fifteen assists in that game. If if you could average 14, with, 15, with, and seven with his athleticism, he could a- average double digit assists every night. He, he he could absolutely, and he can he could average close to double digit rebounds. I, I mean, Westbrook yeah. has all these ridiculous stats on how he's got these triple doubles in under thirty minutes of play. I, yeah. I forget the exact stat, but he's got like a ridiculous amount of triple doubles that he's gotten with less than thirty minutes of playing time. He he's a beast on the boards for a point guard. Probably yep. the, he's definitely the best rebounding point guard in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And if he can go out there and dish fifteen assists to Durant, who, who, you know, just unquestionably is a better shot selection and pure scorer type of player than Westbrook is. And the funniest thing is that those assists don't have to be like no look, cutting yeah. passes. Yeah. Just give the ball just to faci- Durant. Just facilitate. Yeah, yeah exactly. and he'll and he'll hit a three or he'll hit like a something in yeah. in motion and. It, You've yeah. got an assist. And you start doing that consistently and pick your spots with Westbrook driving to the basket. Not to mention the way these other guys are playing, with Adams playing extremely well down low as well as Cantor. They're both playing, you know, very physical, good post basketball. I'll say it after game four. I think if they can corral that style, the Thunder can win the championship. I, yeah. I didn't think the Thunder, I didn't give the Thunder a chance going into the playoffs against the Spurs or the Warriors because they hadn't seemed to figure out how to get those, you know, it sounds dumb to say they haven't figured out how to get Durant and Westbrook to click together. Yeah. They obviously click together, but really, like, to the best of their ability, get them to mesh perfectly. Yeah. And the thing is, like, we're sitting here having watched a few, a a few yeah. Oklahoma City games. Like, I'm sure they have it under control. Yeah. Like, they just go out and score anytime they want. Like, if if Russell Westbrook will probably score, when do they play tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, He'll probably think so. score 45, just because yeah. we said that. <laughs> right. Um, so there's really no telling it, but. If he can, yeah. if he, if he can go out and have the night that he had last night, and Durant does the same, they're probably unbeatable. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I, I mean, if they, yeah, if they play that, I would say they are unbeatable. And I know it's easier said than done. You, you can't just have Westbrook, quote unquote, like reel it in. And that's not the player he is. Westbrook's a, he's a, he's a wrecking ball of a player. Like, yeah. like he, you can't just ask him to start taking smarter shots and like calm down a little bit because they'll fight you yeah, yeah exactly so um so yeah that, i think that's maybe my favorite storyline of the nba playoffs right now is that series i think it's a very very intriguing one and i think the the thunder really showed you what they're capable of uh if they can reel everyone in and, and kind of play in that style uh consistently so uh, lots more with the nba playoffs that will come to but next we have the stanley cup playoffs which also are living up uh to the hype with yeah. a couple of series so we'll really just talk about the two that i think we talked about before 
uh, keeping it in the Eastern Conference because that's what we've been watching. I haven't watched much much Western Conference hockey yep. uh, in the last week or so. So we'll start with the Lightning. The Lightning keep rolling uh, despite having no Steven yeah, Stamkos. The they roll through the Islanders the in five light, games. The Lightning look really good, um, and it's one of those things. I think we talked about it either on the podcast or off the podcast, but if the Lightning can stay hot, like obviously Stamkos will want to come back, but you'd have to lose a lot of the pieces. And I know you said the Bruins did the same yeah. thing with Sagan and, and it didn't work yeah. out, but this is a good hockey team. Yeah. The, the team that's on the ice right now They're is young. a very good hockey team. I mean, Vic, Victor Hedman is, is coming into his own. He's becoming a superstar. Um, Kucherov is, is scoring every time he touches the puck. Um, so it really is a very good hockey team. Obviously you would never want to lose a Stamkos. Um, but the future of the Ma- of the Lightning looks good. Um, whatever happens, like if you keep Stamkos, you'll be good for mm. a long time because you have Stamkos. Right. If you lose him, keep all of as, as many of these players. Yeah, and, and, and work with a ton of cap room. I think that uh, it, it's a fair. Qu- the deeper the Lightning go, the more fair the question gets. Because um, these these are a lot of young players that are. This isn't a bunch of overachieving veterans. This is a lot of young players that are coming into their own. And I think um, one of the things that I'll find very, very intriguing about it is that is, is the actual contract negotiation part of it. Because one of the things, and this is another piece that I'll just relate it to the Bruins and Peter Shirelli, who was fired uh, two years ago or uh, before last season as the GM of the Bruins. One of the reasons that he got them into a terrible situation was lack of roster flexibility in in locking up your guys that you really just short-term, you want to lock them up and you kind of just sacrifice the long-term flexibility of the roster, you give out no movement clauses. You give out no trade clauses. Massive cap hits. So Stamkos is the level of superstar that he can get a a no-movement clause wherever he signs. The question is, if the Lightning are in a position where they need to give Stamkos, let's say, a seven-year, $70 million contract with a no-movement clause then that's going to make it difficult to keep all these guys that are coming into their own if they actually are developing into good NHL players that you want to build around. Yeah, And so that that becomes a very interesting question because the Lightning would want to keep that flexibility, maybe allow the opportunity to trade Stamkos down the road if the rest of these guys actually grow into the, the, the core of the team. But Stamkos won't need to take those terms because he's a superstar and yeah. he doesn't need to settle for that type of contract. I mean, that's, this is all in the future. This is all just speculation. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, but... As of right now, the Lightning yeah. look good. They haven't played a, a team that's as menacing as either of the teams that they could play. Correct, um, but which is the series that we're going to talk about next? The um, Penguins Capitals. Yeah. Um. For game game t- uh, tomorrow night, game yeah, six. Yeah, game six will be tonight. If you're listening to the podcast on yep. Tuesday, the Penguins have a three-two lead. The Capitals survived uh, after going down three-one. Pretty surprising for the Caps winning the President's Trophy, going down three-one to the Penguins. But the Penguins are have been on fire as well. So. Uh, the Caps go down 3-1. They, they take uh, Game 5 at home, and now they have to go to Pittsburgh and win Game 6 in order to send it back to Washington for Game 7. Here's my question to you. I'll ask you two. Um, one, what what is your prediction? And two, if you're a Lightning fan, who would you rather face? A Ooh. An unbelievable regular like one of the best regular seasons yeah. of any hockey team, Capitals, or mm. an extremely hot Penguins. Team. That's a really tough. That that second one's much tougher. Um, so my prediction is that the Caps are going to win Game Six. I think uh, th- this is a tough one for me because it's historically on two sides, teams that have failed in the clutch. I, no, I don't want to say teams that have failed in the clutch, but the two situations I'm looking at are 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 groups that have failed in the clutch, and that the Capitals have been notorious for early exits in the playoffs when they should have advanced much deeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Penguins, though, have an interesting situation brewing with Mark Andre Fleury. Who who came in uh, at goaltender uh, the last game despite having not been playing beforehand, and now he's back in and he's in, he's known as a head case. Even though he's always been a very good goalie, he's been known as a head case in these clutch in the clutch series and the clutch games. So I don't know who is starting for them in Game Six. I believe Flurry probably will get the nod since he came into the last game. Yeah. Um, but that's one that I'm watching very closely because if Flurry starts to give up goals and get and get to his head a little bit then this series is Washington's for the taking. So it's tough for me. I think Washington wins game six, and then game seven is just such a toss-up for me, even though Washington's at home. We'll make a prediction. You're on the radio. Yeah, I'll take the Caps. I think the Caps are going to win this one. Wow, the Caps win three straight? They win three straight against the Penguins. I think they can do it. I think that they they were too good in the regular season, and and the Penguins have 
been on fire, but I'm very, very worried about their goaltending situation. So I'm going to take, take the Caps. I'm going to take the Penguins. Yeah. I think, I mean, for obviously the Caps can turn it on and win any night, mm-hmm. but for a team that's struggling, like you're yeah. going to have to turn it on three straight nights, and that's a lot to ask. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's true, and I think before Game Five, I would have picked the Penguins certainly to win yeah. the series. Um, but you know, I think that the seed of doubt in the Penguins from the goaltending standpoint, and also a little bit of momentum, scoring some goals for the Capitals, I'll take them in seven. Now, the Lightning, I think, uh, I'm going to say this is the option that they want. I think that the Capitals are the team you want between in, the after Capitals Game and the Seven. You after want seven, seven games. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly beat each other up. The Lightning get plenty of time to rest. Who's older, the Caps or the Penguins? Uh, that's why I want to play. That's a good question. I don't really know. Because uh, Lightning really... have won the the two quickest yeah um, series back to back. Yeah. So they've had a lot of they've rest time. Plenty of rest. Which is either right. good or bad how you look at it. Right. Um, but it's definitely I think bad. It's a good thing. It's definitely bad for old players to play a lot of games. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. And and I think I would have to look at the rosters. I think Pittsburgh does have a lot of veterans, but Washington's got a pretty good amount too. So I, I think it's pretty similar. I would I might say Washington's slightly younger than Pittsburgh. Um, but I think that Washington's the team that the that the Lightning want to face because of what we're seeing in this series and that the Capitals can go cold. I think that the the Penguins have sustained being on fire for a while now. I think I know I just picked the Capitals. I think if the Penguins bounce back from a game 5 loss and they win it in 6, for example, they're still they're still basically on fire the way they have been for the last month and a half. Yeah. So uh, the Capitals have now slipped up. They went down three one in this series. They might bounce back and win, but I think that I think that they're the team that the Lightning would rather face. Again, it's it's a two headed monster. Neither of these teams you want to face them in the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. But the Lightning are, are obviously glad to be there and glad to have done it in so few games yeah. to be able to be healthy and rested. So uh, I think they should root for the Capitals to come back and win the series, go seven, beat each other up, and then take your chances against the Presidents Trophy winners. All righty. Uh, moving on to the next sport, and we'll just fly through these just because they're kind of um, quick hitters. But um, the MLB Mother's Day uniforms look like turds. They look so <laughs> they bad. They were terrible. They were terrible. Um, it was basically just replace any color. non-dark or light color with pink. Pink. Like any third color, pink. Mm-hmm. And it was just no no like outlines, no yeah. anything, just pink. And, they should have sh- yeah. done us- it the way, yeah. Usually a very good look. Yeah. They should have done it the way the NFL did it. Uh, accessories only, pink. Uh, yep. Don't start changing your logos. None of the teams change their actual uniforms to be pink. Yep. All accessories. It's a good little highlight to the uniform. Have your wristbands, your armbands, your cleats if you want, your socks, whatever. But you I, know, I, don't I, touch the uniform. I told you on Mother's Day that it looked like when you accidentally bump the TV <laughs> or you accidentally change the settings and the colors change yeah. and just the all the things that shouldn't be one color are now one color. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't look good. Yeah. Um, although Under Armour did give um, their clients, whoever was in, whoever was um, sponsored by Under Armour, got very cool flower cleats and flower mm-hmm. like arm braces. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did appreciate that. Um, also, next topic: Bryce Harper, eleven straight uh, plate appearances with zero at bats. Ridiculous. All Ridiculous. walks, walks, hit by pitch, and a sacrifice fly. I yeah. think in there somewhere. Um, but so basically, he, and in particular, his game against the Cubs on Sunday was 0 for 0 with six walks. Yeah. So. That's a tough to do. And and Harper is an unbelievable player, so obviously he's getting the Barry Bonds treatment where you just mm-hmm. walk him or, or, or try to pitch around him. Um, but that's still a crazy stat to yeah. to go to play three baseball games <laughs> and not have yeah, an at-bat. Register at-bat. an official at-bat. Yeah. It's insane. Do you support? Uh, do you think it's scared baseball, or do you think it's smart baseball, not pitching to Harper? Um, I think it's baseball. <laughs> I, I don't think it's one or the other. I think that just is baseball. Um, like there's, you pitch around Mark McGuire, you pitch around mm-hmm. Barry Bonds. It's just is and always will be yeah. and always has been. Yeah, uh, yeah, I I agree. I think uh, you know, obviously it's got to be situational. I I didn't watch all the at bats. I don't know if there was any, you know, I I, I don't I don't think I don't support being so hesitant on a hitter that you're putting runners in scoring position or anything like yeah, that, advancing no. runners. So I don't know if any of those walks were that And they're not egregious. all intentional walks. Right. They're just, oh, right, right, you're right. just yeah. being very selective with right. the strikes you throw. Right. Exactly. So it, spe- it speaks to the season he's having. 10 homers and 27 RBIs, I think, uh, already for Harper this season. So ridiculous numbers, and he's obviously deserving uh, those walks. Um, now I'll let you describe the next thing. I, yeah, I, so this, this made no this sense is real to quick. me. It doesn't make sense to me. David Price has been terrible this season. Uh, so far, uh, at least by an ACE's standards. And 
so after the game, apparently two days after the game uh, that he last pitched over the weekend, apparently Dustin Pedroia finds the problem in David Price's uh, delivery. So I heard a little bit more on the radio today. Apparently, so the so the the story goes, Dustin Pedroia was watching film of himself against left-handed pitching to prepare for an upcoming left-handed pitcher they were facing, uh, and his his film footage brought him back a couple of years when he faced David Price. Um, and so he had a, you know, footage of David Price and he just kind of noticed that Price's delivery looked different than what he had seen the previous day. Um, the, the stuff, the, the, the screenshots and the little video comparisons went all around Twitter today because people found one of David Price's deliveries from 2013 when he was on the Rays, uh, and compared it with this season. And there's a, a very noticeable difference in his delivery. Actually, his hands are about a foot lower than, than he used to have it during his delivery. So, he used to keep his, you know, his hands around like his belly button level, and he would he would keep them kind of held up high throughout his delivery until his release. And this season, his his hands are sagged like basically down to his belt. Um, That's what happens when you become a Red Sox. Red Sox. <laughs> a lot of things. Sock, a lot you... of things start sagging. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So um, noticeable difference. Apparently, Dustin Pedroia is the one who found it, and apparently, David Price says that he was upset at himself for not finding it, and it's all clicked now. Can I comment on this So the question is, why hasn't the pitching coach been fired yet? <laughs> Can I comment on this story? Yeah. This may be the most Boston story I've ever heard in my entire life, ever, um, besides the fact that uh, Pablo Sandoval went on the DL because he was fat. Um, like, you know who's got to be the savior? Dustin Pedroia. You know, get Dustin Pedroia out there. Have him throw some pitches with David Price. Work on David Price's mechanics, and then uh, David David will be fine. You just gotta get Dustin out there, and he'll show everybody what to do. Like it's so like oh, Dustin Pedroia saves the day. Tells David Price an ace pitcher. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I mean, don't, I don't believe this story for one. Well, second. Dave, well, David Price is the one who said it. Is, yeah, but is the it's, problem. Price, but it's like Price a, said it, he got it from Pedroia. David Price will say anything to try to ter- make yeah. sure that people don't turn on him. Because if you if they turn on you in Boston. You're, yeah, you're done for. So like, I don't know. He, he tweets like, "I will get better. This is this, I will get better." Now he's like, "Yeah, I found I it. Mean, I found it." Th- that's certainly a different story. Price has been saying a lot of weird stuff lately. Yeah. Um. They, they asked him an interview question about uh, whether his contract is making him feel pressure to live up to that con- live up to the contract. Basically, two hundred seventeen million dollar deal. And his an- and within his answer, he he basically went on a stream of consciousness in his answer because David Price really opens up in, in interview yeah. answers. He he does speak a lot. He's 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 a smart guy. He's he's well spoken. Yeah. He opened up, and by the end of his answer, he was talking about what he spends his money on, and and that he buys on things on Amazon that he needs. He talked about the fact that he bought a four hundred dollar bike that he uses to get around everywhere. His <laughs> yeah. answer brought him places that it's like, what is this guy talking about? Like, yeah. why we didn't ask you what you spent your money on? That's why he was so, so he's good. On very the conscious about his image in this city, I think, and he's feeling pressure. On he it is for sure. well. It's weird because and. Obviously, you can draw comparisons, whatever. But the players that come from the Rays that play unbelievably, yeah, that go to bigger going. markets, don't perform very well because it's very high pressure. Mm-hmm. Carl Crawford, the same thing happened. Like immediately, they start yeah. playing worse. Scott Casimir. Scott Casimir. Yeah. Um, now David Price. Like it's it's yeah. a very, very sudden. It, I mean, it's shift. very and different. especially playing for Joe Madden, who yeah. who was king like hippie guy yeah. just like bringing animals in the clubhouse like yeah. show up when you want play baseball yeah. have a good time it is very different but at the same time uh price has moved to a couple teams uh Pri- yeah. price was dominant in detroit and toronto as yeah. well so which are also not detroit, i mean detroit's detroit's a bit, pretty, detroit yeah. a bit but yeah. definitely not it's not me- on the medi- level of boston exactly. media wise yeah so so it is it, it is interesting but um but yeah hopefully david price figures it out um either way my my biggest takeaway is that Dustin Pedroia should not be finding an answer that the pitching coach and the manager could not find in his delivery. That's yeah. just that's not acceptable if if it's true. Which I, you know, I, I'm I'm believing it's true because only because Price said it and and Price is coming across as being too honest for his own good in some of his interviews. It's yeah. like we don't need to know. You don't need to be telling us what you're spending your money on on Amazon. Um, so that's it. We'll see what happens there with Price. Hopefully he turns it around because he is not living up to the, his two hundred seventeen million dollars. Last baseball story, and I don't even want you to comment on it. I want you I will to not. describe um what's his name? Uh shoot, the fat Mets pitcher. Oh, Bartolo Colon. Bartolo Colon's home run. Describe it in five words or less. Uh utterly unbelievable. Um, utterly unbelievable and heavy home run. Yeah. Okay. Mine will be 
That was definitely the oldest, smelliest, fattest home run ever hit. Because yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. So it was hilarious. We witnessed a Bartolo Colon home run. <laughs> um, his helmet That's stayed on when he swung. The greatest moment in modern sports, and history. it was a bomb. It was a <laughs> jack. It went like four hundred feet. Yeah, oldest player in MLB history to hit his first career home run at age 42 unbelievable yeah um so that's it for baseball and last sports topic we'll touch on it quickly um i have a feeling we might be touching on it more in weeks and months to come there are rumors going around that floyd mayweather and conor mcgregor might fight each other in a boxing fight now so the the highest paid most recognizable boxer versus the highest paid most most recognizable recognizable ufc fighter who has recently been in a snafu with the ufc about the whole ufc uh, 200 card and and being pulled from that and all that yeah. stuff. So we're not going to talk about McGregor's whole thing. I don't want to um, give this the press it de- it doesn't deserve. Right. Well, it's s- a well, stupid story. I, I, I'm intrigued by it only because each uh, fighter has referenced this now. So um, Mayweather referenced that he was he was considering an idea someone had about coming out of retirement for one more fight to get to 50 and 0. He's 49 and 0 right now uh, against an MMA fighter and Conor McGregor being the boisterous uh, idiot idiot that he is tweeted a photo a photoshopped photo of him standing toe-to-toe with Mayweather like in one of those pre-fight like posters that you would see Um, and his caption for his tweet for it just said MMA versus boxing Um, obviously meaning styles not uh, actual imagine if Conor McGregor got in a boxing ring with Floyd Mayweather so so that's the thing is that what's most intriguing about this is that none of it makes sense but it would be the most lucrative fight in in history um, yes. It would be the most boring fight in history. Yes, hands down. Um, <laughs> what people don't realize is that Floyd Mayweather is too fast for the best boxers in the world to hit him in the face. Let alone somebody who's not even close to being one of the best boxers in the world because he's not a boxer. He's an yes. MMA fighter. Yeah. So, you know, th- this this story quickly begins and ends with the fact that Conor McGregor would destroy Floyd Mayweather in an MMA fight. And Floyd Mayweather would destroy Conor McGregor in a boxing match because they play different sports. Floyd Mayweather would win that boxing match with one glove. Like uh, if he had one hand, yeah, because he could dodge every punch and land two, and yeah. he'd be, it'd I, be I over. Mean, it's honestly, he it, would never knock the, him out. The Vegas over under for how many uh, sh- punches McGregor would land in a twelve round fight would be extremely interesting. It would to be me. ten. You think the over-under would be 10? I think it would be 10. I think it might be less. Yeah. Uh, like clean punch. I don't know how they score it, but clean punches landed. It might be less. I mean, he doesn't. he's not a boxer. It's, I don't know. So the, the just real quick, though, the, the most interesting part to me is that, first of all, this fight would make tons and tons and tons and tons of money. It I would mean, make May, so much money. Mayweather Pacquiao made a ridiculous amount of money. And so you, you, I will assume that everyone who bought Mayweather Pacquiao is going to buy Mayweather going for his 50th win. Okay, I'm going to assume that first. Yeah. Now I'm going to say that every single UFC fan is going to buy this fight as well. And so that makes it way more lucrative than the than the Pacquiao Mayweather fight was, yeah. which was also the biggest ripoff in history because that yes. was that was boring the and that worst. was and that was one of the best boxers in the world trying to beat Mayweather, let yeah. alone someone who's not even a boxer trying to beat him. So it's interesting because Dana White would never take the like Dana White would never support a boxing match because he has a competing sport. Yeah. He, he's trying to run the UFC. But if the payday was so big that him cross-promoting this would actually make the UFC a ton of money. Well, here's the thing, because you now, so Dana White's in an interesting position, because you put your stud in his prime mm-hmm. against a boxer who will have one more fight, right. probably. Right. You gain a lot more boxing fans That's true. to follow. Who are boxing fans going to follow after that fight? Mayweather's done. Mayweather's done, and you've now seen, if, if McGregor puts up a good fight, which right. he won't, right. but like... UFC Box, game yeah. UFC boxing will not steal stand, UFC fans from that fight exactly. but UFC will steal boxing yeah, fans. Yeah, UFC stands to gain a lot of fans from that fight and not the other way around. And so that's the part of it that intrigues me. The fight itself will be terrible, but <laughs> I think the business part of it is very very interesting because Dana White's in a tough spot. He he also does not want to give in to Conor McGregor either because Conor McGregor as a whiny, is, is a little is a little twerp yeah and he's and, gonna fight us and, and he, oh and, my god oh and and he's actually winning this battle with this pr battle with dana white because he's just forcing his way into these things now the trump dana white holds the trump card because conor mcgregor cannot fight in a boxing match unless he gets out of his ufc contract so yeah. uh we'll see what happens just wanted to touch on that i think we'll be talking about it more if it gains steam obviously but it's not really in the 
in the you know it's, on fun, the fr- it's, fun. it's on the front burner right it's now. It's fun to talk about. I I like hating on Conor McGregor. Yeah, I, I do too. Actually, I, I do too. So. Um, all right, so quickly we will now move into the third quarter. Uh, sports took a while there, um, so now we have trivia for you. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll get started as usual. Uh, pause it in between clues if you want to take a little bit more time to guess. But here we go. So first clue: uh, This person was born in Memphis, Tennessee, on January thirty first, nineteen eighty one, and his middle name is Randall. So a male born in Memphis, Tennessee, nineteen eighty one. Uh, so 30, middle name thirty five years old. Middle name is Randall. Um, this is maybe my favorite clue that we've ever written down. Um, clue number two, this person was the very first celebrity to get pranked by Ashton Kutcher on Punked. So wow. that should... It, That's cool. It, it gave it away once I heard it, but I knew who I was writing it for. So people might get it there and they might not. I don't know. All right. So clue number three, he is a four-time Emmy winner and a nine-time Grammy winner. He won an Outstanding Guest Actor in a Comedy Series Award in 2009 and 2011 for hold it, for hosting SNL. So, four-time Emmy, nine-time Grammy. Um, this person started out in the Mickey Mouse Club as a child alongside other celebrities, such as Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, and Ryan Gosling. So, Mickey Mouse Club alum. So, you might be putting it together now. Final clue, I think you'll get it here. When he was 14 years old, he teamed up with Chris Kirkpatrick and Joey Fatone to form a band. They later invited Lance Bass and J.C. Chases. Did I mess that up? Lance Bass. Lance Bass and J.C. Chases, <laughs> uh, ultimately forming the boy Shots group it. NSYNC. It's okay, Derek. It's good that you don't I'm know the answer. not formed on the NSYNC guys. It's okay. It's good that you don't. <laughs> um, so the answer, obviously, is Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake. Who so. is recently um, back in the news. Great song. Um, Derek will probably dub it in a bit right now. Yeah, we'll let that play underneath us for a bit. Okay. Um, it is great. It's a very good song, very summery, poppy. Um, Justin Timberlake can do no wrong. Got, guys want to be him, girls want to date him. Um, he acts, he sings. He does it all. He does. He literally does it all, and he's funny. So congrats, yeah. Justin Timberlake. Um, <laughs> you are the trivia answer. I hope <laughs> you're happy. Is. He's probably thrilled to hear it. Um, Just one more accolade. <laughs> Uh, so that wraps up the third quarter and brings us into the fourth. So the fourth quarter, and we will go through it pretty quickly because we have a little bit of a disappointing because segment here. Because you guys blew it. <laughs> you all blew it. You did blow it. I, I, I can't sh- we can't f- sugarcoat that. Except a few of you, but most of you blew except it. Except two of you, to be exact. Um, the Snapchat segment had so much potential. Had a ton of potential. It was so and easy. just didn't bite. It was so easy for people for you guys to get involved. You had to... You had to send a Snapchat. Like, you do that all the time. You do it 10 some, times a some week. Some of you send too many. Some of you send a million of them. Including myself. Including, yeah, true. So easy. So, so easy to do. And you guys blew it. So here is the final Snapchat section, which will be sunset into the future. Will no longer happen um, because that's what you guys have asked for. So this is the overwhelmingly large number of submissions we had for our question last week, which is, what is your reaction to LeBron James potentially being in Space Jam 2? LeBron James. The James Brown. If you ask me, I don't think the Looney Tunes are going to like him. There it is. There you have it. it. That's all the answers we got. Two submissions. Both kind of funny, so we appreciate it. Um, that was James and Lauren. Thank you guys for submitting Snap videos. But You guys we, were great. We, we, get, we kept getting pictures. And yeah. we don't send us pictures. Yep, I don't. I don't know how that sl- that snuck through the cracks, and pictures continue to come through, but they do. It's just like drug, like picture, like Snapchat pictures are like drugs. You just can't not send yeah. them. Yeah, and people just couldn't. Yeah, send videos. It. So we tried posting it twice a week on the story. We post it right after the podcast, and we post it again the day before the next podcast. So it didn't work. I'm not even mad, you guys. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, I'm disappointed as well. So uh, that's it for Snapchat forever. Um, so we won't have that anymore. Um, Taco Bell News. Thanks a lot. My favorite segment, um, Taco Bell News, you guys. So big news last week in the Taco Bell community. Um, Killer, speaking of Snapchat, killer Snapchat filter. You could literally be a taco. And it was not (laughs) like one of the, um, now Snapchat's doing the sponsored filters and they're always kind of cheesy and lame. You literally just open it up, and you are a taco. You are a taco. You but, uh, move around. Like, you, like yeah, yeah, your eyes move. Your mouth yeah. moves. It's legit a taco. You were a taco. So yeah. it was a great filter. 
I fulfilled a lifelong dream of becoming a taco, <laughs> um, and it was very fun for me. Yeah. Um, and I think the world had fun, and um, Taco Bell probably made millions of dollars. Yeah, so there it is. They probably paid a lot for it, but they made a lot, a lot more from it. Um, but now it, I'm sure a lot of the world um, can be tacos, yeah. which was great. Um, so Wendy's news. So now Wendy's news. Um, <laughs> back to Wendy's news. Um, the ghost pepper push. Mm. There is the a ghost. There is a push for ghost pepper. I guess a chicken sandwich and a French fry combo. And there's literally a, a commercial every 30 seconds for this. Ghost. <laughs> it, it's it's ser- I'm serious. I had never seen a, wow. a bigger push. And all the commercials say, we supposed we weren't supposed to do this. Like, everyone told us not to. It's not going to sell. But we did it anyway. Here it is. <laughs> um, so I have yet to try it. I love spicy things. So yeah. I will be trying it um, and giving it a Steve Nicholas Avocados rating pretty soon. Um, maybe we'll get... Fast food expert Robert yeah. Rundo on the show. We got two fast food things in this fourth quarter, so yeah. So we're um, probably getting overdue for Rob here. Yeah. Um, so Wendy's news, ghost pepper. If anyone's tried it, let me know. Because um, I'm, or if anyone wants to try it, let me know, um, and we can make a, a show of it, and you can maybe have an opinion on the next episode. But ghost pepper fries and ghost pepper sandwich. I'm willing to give it a shot. Wendy's news. Yeah, and just uh, speaking of that, one more thing on Rob. Uh, we did receive a fan message that says, for God's sake, we need a Rob review of some more fast food items. So many choices these days, and Taco Bell just brought all that new stuff back. What <laughs> am I supposed to do? Try it all for myself? For God's sake, give the people what we need. So Yes, and that was from uh, our number one fan, Yolo McWildboy. Correct. So, um, um, so we'll get Rob back on for that. Yeah, someone's got to do it. Um, so last topic here, a few upcoming topics on our episodes that are coming yeah, so up, we so have, two Boston-related things. Yeah, so we have two Boston-related things. One is um, uh, an upcoming segment we want to try, Battle of the Boston Accents. Uh, we each have a few friends who have very thick New England accents. Uh, I have two Ro- Rhode Islanders okay. on the hook there you go. who will blow your mind. Their, <laughs> their accents are, are comical. Um, so that's going to be fun. We're going to have them in, um, have them read like... Uh, lines from The Departed or The Town. Yep. And make a little game show. Make a game show of battle for the best accent. Yeah, we'll call it Boston accent, but it's going to be New England accent, but it has a better ring if we're well, going to we'll, call it I'll, Boston I'll, accent. I'll spend a week and get a good title for yeah, it, yeah, a, good a good clever good title. title. Um, so that's also a call out to any of you guys who have some friends that have really genuine New England or Boston accents. Uh, let us know. Send us, Shoot us a message. Uh, you can send us a Snapchat picture if you want to do that. Now it's finally fine because we don't do that segment anymore. So Also, the second part of the upcoming episodes is for those of you who have Twitter um, and follow Boston Tweet... Um, he's a BC grad. He tweets all things Boston um, multiple times a day. A lot of cool events, free events. Um, he hides um, gift cards around Boston, like a very active in Boston social life. So if you don't follow him, you should. Um, and if you do, he's going to be on the show. Um, yeah. We're in talks with Boston Tweet right now to get him on the show. Obviously, that would help us. One, because he's really popular, and two, because he'll probably tweet about it. 181,000 followers. 181,000 followers. So uh, hopefully a few of those people listen when he tweets, <laughs> and we gain one or two more followers. Yeah. But um, that all started because I'm a killer notary, and he needed a notary, and I'm like, I'm a notary and a BC grad. What it do? Yeah, Boom. and so we're in. So he agreed. Well, he, yeah, sort of. he, he agreed sort of. Let's see how this notary thing goes. If I blow it, if I totally just screw up, the <laughs> then notary. we'll have another good story to talk about. Yeah, so. exactly. So either way, fun things coming from Boston Tweet perspective. There you go. So uh, big Boston segments coming up uh, in upcoming episodes. Hopefully next week, maybe the week after, we'll figure that out. So uh, that's all we have for the fourth quarter, which brings us to the final drive. Final drive. Would you like to kick it off or close it out? Close it. Close it out. So final drive for me today is video game review. Um, this is You Heard It Here Second, so obviously it's not a new video game, because that's not what I'm in the business of doing. So, Correct. Uh, I bought a game that took me down memory lane, which is Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. Uh, growing up, used to play Metal Gear Solid. I know Steve did as well. Uh, on the original PlayStation uh, 1 for me, which was uh, very old. Also, maybe on PlayStation 2. I don't really remember. Um, great game growing up. It's a stealth game. And so my review here is on Metal Gear Solid Five. For those of you who might be uh, into video games, looking for a game... It's been out for about a year, so it's actually not that expensive anymore, and it's it's a great game if you're looking to kind of revisit the old days, but also play a much more high-tech and new game. Uh, amazing graphics, you know, all, all the stuff that you expect from a modern game, kind of like The Last of Us a little bit. 
um, in the stealth aspect of it, but has the elements of those old Metal Gear Solid games. Um, so I'm going to recommend it. Uh, IGN gave it a 10, which is a masterpiece rating. Uh, I haven't owned it long enough to justify the 10 yet, but I will say uh, so far it's earned about an 89 on the uh, Derek Dragon Fruit scale. So uh, it's quickly approaching being a certified Pattaya Colada. Another week of it, and I think it probably will get there. I just haven't played it enough yet. So cool. I'm recommending it on the early prognosis. Keep us posted. Um, so my final drive is another review of a real-life thing, not a video game, um, the Boston Harbor Islands. Um, the one, My one thing I'll say about it is, let's do it. Let's get it done. The Boston Harbor's, Harbor Islands are awesome. The weather's finally turning nice. Um, I mean, when nice is relative. It's above 60, which is perfect for what we've been having. Yep. Um, it's awesome. You can take a ferry out there. It's quite easy. It's a 30-minute ferry ride. I think it's oh, 10, 15 bucks. Pretty cheap. Um, and... You can drink on the ferry. You can drink when you get to the islands. You can grill. You can play sports. There's a fort. Um, you can explore. It's a very... And now that we live in the North End, obviously, it's easier. But we did it two years ago during the summer, and it was a blast. There's a band out there. On There's two islands you can go to. I mean, you can go to a ton of them, but two main islands, um, George's Island and Spectacle Island, um, and they are a blast. If you have... It, it's a day trip, so you, you should pack lunch, and you should make a day out of it. Um... But if it's a nice day, it's probably one of the nicer things you can do in Boston. So if anyone wants to go, that's another thing we'll be planning within the next uh, month or so. Yeah. Boston Harbor Islands, get it done. Yeah, there you go. I can vouch for that one, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So let us know if you want to come. So that's it for episode 21 of You Heard It Here Second. Uh, that's all we have. Also, one more Taco Bell news. There it is. Bye. Another, another bell. Bye, guys. See you guys next week. <laughs>